Dear God, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for a day that we could resurrect, we could celebrate what you did in resurrecting your son from the dead. We believe, Father, and we marvel at the power that you demonstrated in bringing his dead body back from the grave. Help us truly, truly grasp the significance of this event. Help us put ourselves in the stories that we're about to read and help us honestly assess where we're at in our response to the one who's done so much for us. It's in his name we pray, amen. First, even before we begin to read some of these accounts, we wanna begin with some general observations about Jesus' resurrection. It's important to note that Jesus appeared to a, a bunch of people after his resurrection. Yes, the Bible teaches that Jesus died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day was resurrected. Yet it's important for us to realize that he didn't simply go straight from the resurrection to, to the Father's side in heaven. The Bible actually records 10 plus different post-resurrection appearances by Jesus over a time period of 40 days. And on one occasion, the Bible says that he appeared to 500 or more in one setting. We don't have time to examine all of these fascinating accounts, and yet we're going to look briefly at two of these appearances on that first Easter, the day of Jesus' resurrection. And we're also going to observe and learn from how these earliest first, res first witnesses responded. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can look up John 20, or if you don't have either, you can follow along in the bulletin, that center section of the bulletin you were handed. There's the Scriptures we're going to be reading today. Beginning in John 20, verse 19, it says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, before we keep reading, let's make some observations. The Bible describes Jesus as being bodily resurrected, as people could see the holes in his hand, the, the hole in his side. And yet the resurrected body also has the ability to not be limited or impeded by locked doors. It appears that there's been a significant change in Jesus following the resurrection because he can appear, he uh, can disappear and then reappear at will. Author and pastor John Piper wrote this about the resurrected Jesus. Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go where no counselor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no lover can go. He can reach you and reach into you anywhere and anytime. There's no place where you are and no depth of personhood that you are which Jesus can't penetrate. I like that. As we continue in John 20, we see this in verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. As we reflect on Thomas' response, can you relate to him? I can. As I've shared with this church before, by nature, I'm a skeptic. I'm that person that has to be convinced of what I'm being told is true. To help you believe that, I I just want to share a story of my wife, Jane, and I were buying a a particular home appliance a few years ago, and, and we bought it at one of these big box stores. And after the salesman told us about this 90-day same-as-cash deal, we decided to take advantage of it. So they, they took us over to the customer service desk and handed us several pages of documentation to tell us where to sign. And, and I stood there and read every page of it because I wanted to make sure what he was telling me was true. And, and I asked some questions and he said, honestly, I've worked there for years. I've never had anybody even read it. Yes, I'm a skeptic. Maybe you are as well. Thomas was that kind of guy. He had the attitude, I must see before I can believe. If that's you, then maybe our first observation today is important for you to take to heart. That maybe for you, it's important for you to must, you must see first before believing. Hopefully as we read Thomas's story, you can insert yourself into it. Let's keep reading to see what happens next. In verse 26, it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now, do you notice that Jesus immediately said the same thing to Thomas that he did in the previous appearance, the other ten? You know, our ministry staff preparing for this day, we, we read this text, we discussed it among ourselves, and, and as we were reading it, I asked the question, why did Jesus always begin these resurrection appearances with, peace be with you? One of our staff members who, who I'll just simply give you his initials, Andrew Beal, <laughs> said it was because Jesus was always jumping out behind doors or through doors to scare them. Well, I don't think that's why Jesus said, peace be with you. I believe, on a more serious note, I believe that this greeting of peace was significant. You see, these first followers had had their world turned upside down. They had followed Jesus for three years. They believed that he was the Messiah, that he was going to start an earthly kingdom. And then surprisingly, he's killed before their eyes. And, and they're trying to make sense of this turn of events. Maybe you can relate. Maybe recently you've gone through some personal turmoil or some kind of drastic life change. Possibly your, your head's been spinning. How do you make sense of what's going on in life? If that's the case for you, I believe the most important thing 
that maybe you need to hear this weekend is that since Jesus has overcome sin and death, because he's alive, you can have peace. You can have peace even when life doesn't make sense because you see Jesus is alive so that we don't have to be alone as we go through these tough stretches of life. He's willing to walk with us through those times. Another observation important for us to note is that Jesus doesn't shame Thomas because he had questions or doubts. Instead of shaming Thomas, Jesus gives him evidence to believe. He says, come here, Thomas, see the holes in my hand, see the hole in my, in my side that the soldier pierced to see if I was really dead. Put your hand there. I love Jesus' approach in helping others to come and believe, to grow in their faith. As I prepared for this message, I asked myself, what is someone new to the Bible? What is someone new to looking into the life of Jesus? What is someone new maybe to this church? What do they need to hear in this Easter message? Here are some of the things that I wrote down on a piece of paper. People, all of us need a reason to believe, a foundation for life, wisdom for the future, peace in the present, forgiveness for our past power for living, and hope for change. Yet I wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't forgetting anything, so I actually posted this question on social media saying, what is it that people need to hear this Easter? I was a bit taken back by some of the responses. Some people wrote acceptance. Others just wrote the word grace. Others said relief from shame. Of course, I had an old friend actually tried to shame me that I was using social media to get material for my message, but, but I'm glad that Jesus didn't shame Thomas, but instead he gave him reason to believe. He met his, his basic skeptical need. And as a result, Jesus didn't chase Thomas away, but he drew him in. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't still speak truth into Thomas's life. He did. In verse 27, in fact, the New International Version reads, stop doubting and believe. And actually, that sentence is somewhat difficult to translate. One commentator described it and said it could even read, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. Possibly that's what God is speaking into your life this weekend. As you examine this evidence, as you hear the story, maybe for some you'll decide for the first time, I want to become a believer. Hopefully you, like Thomas, will make a bold profession of faith. In verse 28, he says, my Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's us. Thomas, even through his skepticism, once he examined the evidence, he makes the boldest confession of faith recorded in the Gospels. Not only does he describe Jesus as God's Messiah, God's Son, but he declares him to be both Lord and God. In other words, he's describing him as master. 
ruler, leader, and God in the flesh. This is what we believe here at Southwest about Jesus. We confess him to be our Lord, our leader for our life and our church. We confess him to be divine, worthy for us to bow before him as disciples of his in surrender. It would be easy for some to say, well, if I'd had Thomas's opportunity, and if I could have touched the holes in his hand and the hole in his side, then, then I too would have made a bold statement of faith. Yet, this is why the Bible was written. This is why the Bible was recorded, so that we could also come to faith. In fact, in the very next verse of verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is why here at Southwest, we encourage people on a regular basis, read the Bible for yourself. Investigate these claims. Check it out and see if you don't believe it's true. If you're new here to Southwest, we hope that you'll stop by our our welcome counter on your way out. Pick up a, a gift bag that welcomes guests. And in each gift bag is just this little New Testament portion of the Bible, paperback. It's in an easy translation to read. And we hope you'll begin to read and examine for yourself. Do you believe, as Thomas believed, that Jesus is Lord and God? Now, this brings us to a second account of someone wrestling with the reality of Jesus' resurrection. It's actually two somebodies. And we can learn from them as they grow in their faith as well. Now, our first example from Thomas was that he must foresee to believe. Our second example And maybe for many in this crowd today, for others, maybe we must believe before seeing. Let's read a second interaction that occurred on that first Easter between the resurrected Jesus and two other people who were struggling with their faith. It's recorded in Luke's gospel. In Luke 24, verse 13, it says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Once again, we see God at work in a miraculous way to intervene in people's lives to help meet their need. It's significant, I believe, to see that Jesus took the initiative Sometimes I hear Christians say, well, it was at this point in my life that I began to seek a relationship with Jesus. I've probably been guilty of saying that. But when I look back over my life, I have to be honest. God was at work. God was taking the first initiative. He was prompting me. He was putting people in my path. He was having circumstances in my life to help me see my need. Maybe God's working in your life as well. God does the initiating of that relationship through Jesus. In this story, Jesus takes the first step. He comes alongside them. He's the one pursuing these two disheartened followers as they literally are on the verge of walking away, abandoning their faith. 
Let's keep reading. In verse 17, Jesus appears on the scene. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Or as other Bible translations read, they were downcast. They, they were sad. Why? Because although they had heard some things, although they had some basic knowledge and some facts about Jesus, yet as we'll keep reading, we'll see they had not yet combined those facts and that knowledge with faith. Verse 18, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. This year, as I read this resurrection account, the phrase that stood out to me that jumped off the page was this sad admission by Cleopas and his friend when they said, we had hoped, past tense. It seems to be an acknowledgement that at one time they had had hope, and yet now they had lost hope. As I contemplated their lost hope, I wondered how many thousands of people within driving distance of this building. Maybe some even here today have some knowledge about Jesus. You know some facts. You know some things about the story. And yet, you've not yet combined that information with faith. And maybe along the way, you've become discouraged and you've given up hope that Jesus can make a difference in your life. As a church, we want to be people that instill hope in others. In fact, our vision as a church is to be bridging the gap to those without Jesus so that no one has to live without hope. That vision is so important to us, we plastered it on our lobby wall because we want to be reminded that's why we exist as a church. How many people have lost hope that their life has meaning? How many people have lost hope that God has a plan for their life or have lost hope that God can heal their marriage or their family that maybe feels so broken right now or have lost hope that God can change them and enable them to overcome that which has beaten them down for so long or have hope that God can answer that long-awaited prayer that's remained unanswered. Have you lost hope in your life? If so, then then my hope is that this Easter Sunday, you'll look to the resurrected one and that he will break into your life and that he will begin to help you see the possibilities that exist with God. Possibly you, like these two disheartened followers, need to believe so that you can begin to see what God wants to do in your life. 
More than 50 years ago when the space race was a heated conflict between the U.S. and the USSR, the Russians sent the first cosmonaut into outer space. He circled the earth and then he came back down. Nikita Khrushchev, the Russian leader, reported that the cosmonaut, I don't really think he said it, but, the, but this is what he reported the world, that the cosmonaut had said, I searched the heavens and I looked for God and I did not see him anywhere. Therefore, there is no God. This particular atheistic regime went on to say, we now have scientific proof that there is no God. About six months later, John Glenn, an astronaut from Ohio, went into space, circled the earth three times on Gemini, came back down, held a press conference. He said something to this effect, I saw God everywhere. I saw God, I saw his glory in the galaxy. I saw his splendor in the universe. I saw his majesty in the stars. You see, when we believe, we begin to see the hand of God at work even in the tough times of life. This is the way I felt on a recent trip to Central California for my niece's wedding. As my wife Jane and I took in the beauty of God's creation We saw and witnessed the power of the Pacific Ocean beating against those rocks. I thought to myself, wow, God is awesome. He's a big God. As I looked at this powerful Pacific Ocean, I thought that's just just a handful of water in our God's hands. You see, there's nothing too big or difficult, too difficult for God. He's one that raises dead from the, to life. He's the one that raised Jesus from the dead. Is your God too small? Now back to our story, as, as these two disheartened followers spent time with Jesus, he explained scripture to them, even shared a meal with them. And then something miraculously happened. I'm not sure if it was simply the the reading of Scripture, and I think it's interesting that the living Word of God, Jesus, would use the written Word of God to help help them come to believe. I think that's, that's something for us to take to heart. Or maybe it was as he reached out with a piece of bread, they saw the hole in his hand. I'm not sure what was, but in verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? If your heart has been touched today, possibly even burning as a result of of the message and all that's transpired today. And maybe for the first time seeing clearly the resurrected Jesus, then we hope that your eyes will be open to the possibility of the power of the resurrection and how that can transform and make a difference in your life. Almost every Easter here at Southwest, we have individuals that make decisions to trust and follow Jesus, to proclaim Him as the Christ, the Son of God, and to declare Him as the Lord or Master of their life. Maybe this will be the year for you. This year is no different as we have a young lady, Skylar Archer, who's grown up here at Southwest, was even up on stage playing an instrument, 
And she's let us know she's ready. She's decided not only to believe in the resurrected Jesus, but to also experience the resurrected Jesus in her life by being baptized and claiming the power and the promise of Scripture, the power of the resurrection. The Bible describes it this way. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. If you know Skylar, she's going to be baptized at the end of our final service, right around 1230. Maybe you want to come back and witness. Maybe some of you want to join her. Have you responded to Jesus? Maybe you're like Thomas. You need to see so that you can believe. If that's the case, pick up a Bible. Start investigating for yourself. Come back next week as we're going to talk in a new series about how that Jesus and his teaching can make all the difference in our everyday life. Maybe you need to see so you can believe. Maybe, maybe you need to believe so that you can begin to see once again how God wants to work in your life. If that's the case, we want to encourage you maybe to join Skylar. Maybe you've made that decision in the past. Maybe it's recommitting yourself this Easter to surrender and follow Jesus as Lord. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for what a great God you are. We thank you for this this powerful event, how you intersected with history and sending your son to this earth, how he died for us, how he rose from the dead. Father, we give you praise and thanks as we celebrate that today. Move our hearts to live and follow after him with all of our lives and all of our hearts. I pray, Father, that you have touched the heart of every person that's here And I pray that we'll leave here with a resolve to be changed people because of Jesus and his power. It's in his name we pray. Amen.